Listener Production. Can we rely on immunity to save us from COVID? I'm Dr. Sophie Calabretto, and this is The Science Briefing, a podcast about the science of everything. So 2022 was a tough year for many reasons. Last year, the number of deaths in Australia was about 16% higher than an average year. COVID-19 was the main reason for this, responsible for about 12,000 deaths. The government is saying that immunity to the virus will help pull us through the pandemic. But will this actually work? Today, a COVID update for 2023 from Cosmos magazine journalist Ellen Fidian. Ellen, if you were to describe the state of COVID restrictions in Australia as we start 2023, how would you do that? I'd say they were relatively light and relying pretty heavily on goodwill, really. So saying things like, you should wear a mask. It's a good idea to wear a mask, but you don't have to in any context. Yeah. The government is relying fairly heavily on vaccines to do a lot of the heavy lifting, which they're definitely protecting us. They're doing a good job, but it's not necessarily enough to bring cases as low as they could be. Pretty much the only place that still really requires you to wear face masks are hospitals and some other healthcare settings. And we're still reporting case numbers, deaths and testing rates, but we've gone to doing that weekly and often taking breaks for things like Christmas and New Year. It definitely doesn't have the kind of day-to-day accuracy that we were Mm. dealing with in the early days of the pandemic. Well, we're all hanging around, like waiting for the press conference to start to hear the case numbers and stuff. Yeah, yeah, sitting in to watch. And on that note, I want to do a quick run through of some of the COVID basics to gauge where we're at in 2023. So firstly, vaccines. How are they tracking? Vaccine rates haven't really moved in the last three, four months very much. Pretty much by the end of 2021, most of the population, so currently 96% of the population over 16 have had two doses of a vaccine. About 72% of eligible people have had a third dose and 44% of eligible people have had a fourth dose. Okay. It's worth noting that there was a bivalent vaccine released in November that targets an Omicron strain, specifically Omicron BA1. A bivalent vaccine is basically a vaccine that vaccinates you against two different strains of a virus. This one's bivalent because it's got Omicron and wild-type COVID it protects you against. Right. It sort of creates a bit of modest protection, but unfortunately the strain it vaccinates against isn't the strain of Omicron that's causing the most concern at the moment. Most of our mass vaccination clinics have closed. Pretty much every state and territory government has a page where they make it extremely easy to figure out where the nearest vaccination clinic is and to book at that clinic as well. So you can go to those pages to look things up. And so let's circle back around to that fourth dose. What's the advice around that currently? The US and a bunch of other countries have kind of updated to a dose a year or a fourth dose for everyone model. So basically continuing to distribute boosters whenever they think they're due. The body that oversees that decision in Australia, so the Australian Technical Advisory Group on Immunisation, or ATEGI, they have not yet followed suit. They recommend a fourth dose for people over 50 or people with health conditions that make them particularly vulnerable to COVID-19. People who are aged 30 to 49 are eligible but not specifically recommended for a fourth dose and people under 30 without underlying conditions still can't get a fourth dose. 
Ategi's reasoning for that is that there isn't enough data to justify giving a fourth dose to healthy under 30-year-olds. And sort of the side effects of getting COVID in that age group are comparable to the risk of the side effects from the vaccine itself, because the vaccine does have some very low risk side effects. That said, there are some experts in Australia who would appreciate Ategi updating those guidelines and allowing everyone to get a fourth dose. So it's kind of a, it's a watch this space situation. And lastly, testing, Ellen. Testing is kind of relaxed across the board. Lots and lots of PCR testing clinics have closed down or are closing down. Rapid antigen tests are still available. There are still a few environments where you have to show evidence of a negative COVID test before entering, so things like aged care facilities. Since September, testing rates have been fairly low but steady. They've been about on par with what they were in 2021 when there wasn't that much COVID around. We're no longer really relying on surveillance to keep an eye on COVID. We're much more relying on immunity from vaccines and prior infections to reduce the overall burden of COVID. This might be an incredibly basic question to ask, but in the case of COVID, what are we talking about when we say immunity? So in a general sense, I like to think of immunity as basically the way humans as organisms have evolved to not get wiped out by every pathogen that they come across. Excellent. (laughs) Um, But basically the immune system has bits in it that recognise and fight back against pathogens that it's encountered before. And immunity in this case is people who are vaccinated against COVID and or have had a COVID infection or a couple of COVID infections. So what we've seen with the federal government is that in the last few months, they're banking more and more on immunity to COVID as a strategy and one of the major ways that we're going to escape the pandemic eventually. Okay, so this is the essentially let it rip method. Yeah, we've basically ended up at the let it rip method with vaccines as kind of a protector. Mm -hmm. But yes, a loosening of restrictions means there's just a lot of COVID widespread in the community and more people are going to become infected and then hopefully cases will eventually drop as more and more people become immune. And there's been a huge amount of criticism, both from within the public and the scientific community, that they would adopt this approach. So why has the government banked on immunity? There are a few different reasons at play. Historically, this is how pandemics end. Populations generally slowly start becoming immune with or without the assistance of vaccines. There are also other factors. For one, money. All of the other regulations suggested to manage COVID are expensive, particularly things like if you're insisting that people stay home when they catch COVID, then you need to be able to pay them if they're going to be losing money from work while they're isolating. That's quite expensive, those leave payments. But also things like making masks more available and (laughs) monitoring people and tests, all of that costs a lot of money as well. And because it's a health matter, it's kind of debatable when the states have to pay for it and when the federal government has to pay for it. So there's a political element to this as well. But there are experts saying that immunity is not really working well enough to manage the pandemic. They think there could be fewer hospitalizations and deaths if we brought in other regulations. And they think that the government's reliance on immunity doesn't provide as much protection from COVID as we might think. Okay, so who is saying this? One person I spoke to is from a place called the McFarlane Burnett Institute for Medical Research and Public Health. So the Burnett Institute is a medical research and policy institute, basically. 
I interviewed the director and CEO of the Institute, Professor Brendan Crabb, and he had a few thoughts on the current government recommendations. Mm -hmm. Basically, he thought the government was relying on an infection is okay strategy and that healthy people protect the vulnerable. And they're still kind of hoping that this might be our last wave of COVID. He also pointed out some data from another medical research body, the Kirby Institute, which is a research institute based at the University of New South Wales, that looked at official COVID case numbers compared to how many people we think actually have caught COVID in Australia at this point. And what should we know about this Kirby Institute data? So Kirby has been regularly looking at blood donation samples. The most recent survey they released was back in November. This survey indicated that at that point, 65% of Australian adults had antibodies, which meant that they'd been infected with COVID-19. More of them had antibodies from vaccination, but 65 had specifically infection antibodies. Whoa. Also, these surveys generally miss about 15 to 20% of past infections. So the researchers estimated that at that point, probably roughly 80% of the Australian population had had COVID-19 at some point. Wowza. So this is a number that's much higher than official tests, which are still saying about less than half of the population has had it. It's also a number that means a large proportion of current cases must have had COVID-19 before, even if they weren't aware of it. The science does say that infection leads to a bit of immunity, but it doesn't protect you from reinfection comprehensively at all. And there's a risk that relying too much on having had the virus already is not going to keep you safe from contracting it again. So if banking on COVID-19 immunity isn't the best way to ensure that people aren't being reinfected, what are scientists calling for now? You will not be surprised to hear all of the things they're suggesting. It's the same stuff they've been calling for for the last three years. So Professor Brendan Crabb from the Burnett Institute lists four broad controls. Vaccination, obviously, clean air, masks, and then testing. Another thing we could be seeing more of in the next 12 months are more treatments for COVID. So things like antivirals and other treatments that reduce the severity of COVID once you have it. Paxlovid is the thing we've seen already, which has lowered the death rate from severe COVID. That's a pill you can take if you are getting quite sick with it. And I think it's worth noting that at the start of the pandemic, we've kind of forgotten this, but we didn't expect a coronavirus to be the source of a major global pandemic. So we weren't as prepared to treat it and vaccinate against it than we would have been against, say, influenza. We're now doing a lot of that work into treatments for coronaviruses and vaccinations against coronaviruses that we could have done earlier. But that research we are doing now and we're going to get better at treating it. Ellen Fidian is a science journalist for Cosmos Magazine. You can read more of Ellen's reporting by heading to cosmosmagazine.com. The Science Briefing is produced by Listener and the Royal Institution of Australia. And this episode was produced by Jake Morecambe. Mixing by Darcy Thompson. I'm Dr. Sophie Calabretto. Catch you next time. <laughs>